Greetings, Tuesday Church. <laughs> the service today will be a bit different than normal. We, as you may well know, we have a storm heading our way. So we kind of condensed our participation today so everybody can stay safe because safety is definitely important for us. So we're not going to have any singing today. And so we're just going to pray and then go right into the message. But before we do, I just want to give a few instructions. Again, we're starting a new series uh, today entitled Three Categories of Singing. Excuse me, Three Categories of Thinking. I had singing on my mind. Three Categories of Thinking. And in this particular series, it's going to require probably a little pencil and notebook to take some notes because we get kind of deep and we're going to use some uh, geographical identifications that are going to be important a little later on. So with that being said, I'm going to pray. And then after prayer, we're going to go ahead and get started. Tonight, we're going to do the introduction to this particular series. So it should be a lot of fun. So my question is, are you ready? Praise the Lord. I'm glad to hear that response from you. And we're going to have a good time. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your love for us. A love we just can't even understand how deep and long and, 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 and strong that it is. So bless us right now, O oh Lord. Father, please use my mind to think in and my mouth to speak from. That from my voice, each and every person that hears it will not hear me, but hear you. Bless us with the spirit of understanding. A spirit that allows us to really open our eyes and ears and hearts to your word. Father, we're going to thank you ahead of time for this victory that you're about to give to us. Thank you for discernment. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone say it, amen. Okay, again, we're going to dive right in the three categories of thinking. And this particular series is going to help us to understand that there is a Egypt mentality, there is a wilderness mentality, and then there's a promised land mentality. Now, each one of these entities will represent something, of course, geographical because all of those locations are geographically real. But they're also going to have a imagery or kind of allegorical meaning for us because each one of them is a stage of thinking that we all must go through. The reason this particular series is so important for us right now is because of the particular status that we're in right now as we are transitioning. Things are happening and we really don't understand what's happening. So a biblical viewpoint, I think, may give us a deeper understanding, but also open up our heads to uh, some of the things that are going on. Can I give you a clue? You're not going to understand everything. See, because if you understood everything, then it wouldn't be faith. Faith is that we believe in the thing that we can't see as though it's real. But more importantly, in this case, we have to believe God. Do you trust him today? Do you rely on him? Do you adhere to what he says? Because if you trust him, then you must trust his word. And his word gives us promises like I will never leave you nor betray you. I won't leave you. He even says that nothing would separate us from his love. 
Again, these promises continue to go on biblically, on and on and on. What we have to do is stop going by what we see and going by what is invisible, which is God, because he's the one who spoke everything that we see into existence. And since that is true, then he still has all power over all things. Does that make sense to everybody? Cool. So here's what we're going to do. Let's get started. And again, call somebody, tell them, hey, listen, Tuesday churches is, is still here. We're going to, you know, be live on Tuesday, even though there's a storm coming. We're still going to be live streaming. So the name of this particular part as again, it's an introduction is called the Egypt that forgot the Egypt that forgot. Again, I need you to know how important Egypt has played a part biblically in the history of the church, the history of the body of Christ, of the Israelites. Egypt has played a major part in everything. And as we go through these scriptures, we will find out just how beautiful it is. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 7. We're going to begin to read at verse number 2. And we're going to read 2 through 7. And this is the New Living Translation. So let's read. It says, this was Stephan's supply. Now Stephan was being... Uh, judged or surrounded and asked all these questions and they believed that he was committing blasphemy. So they're about to do some really horrible things to Stephan, but he gets a chance to talk. So Stephan makes a great stand. He, he kind of digs himself in and he begins to relate a great history to these Jews. Now I need you to know who he's talking to. He is talking to Jews. He's talking to these so-called Christian people or these, these believers at this particular time. He is talking to them, but he has to remind them of what their history is. Why? Because this is the Egypt that forgot. So again, here we are at Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 7, excuse me, starting at verse 2. And it reads as follows. This was Stephan's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So God is going to lead Abraham from Mesopotamia, from Haran and take him to a land that he's going to show him. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here. Everybody say here. Here is in the land of Canaan. That's where God brought him. He brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here. Not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however... That eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants. What makes us descendants of Abraham? Faith. Because Abraham believed God. He believed God when there was nothing else for him to stand on. When God told him he would be the father of many nations, God, Abraham knew that he was old and he had not ever had a son before, so he, he had to operate by faith. He had to believe something that he could not see because what he seen would cause him not 
to believe. So Abraham becomes the father of many descendants, not so much physically, but he becomes the father of many descendants because of faith. So my question to you again today, faith, faith, do you believe God? You know, when you go on a journey and you don't exactly know where you're going, you have a couple options. You've got to believe that somebody else has went on this journey before or has traveled in this direction and maybe left you a map. Or you can believe that God is going to take you somewhere you've never been before. So when God guides you, you don't get to see the destination. He'll promise you the destination like he did Abraham. He said, I will show you this land. He promised him the destination, but he didn't get a chance to see how he was going to journey to that destination. I hope that makes sense to you. See, because God has promised us something. God has promised us eternal life. He has promised us that we are the children of God. Now, we have to maybe journey a little bit to get to that understanding, to know that that is solid, that it is true. Nothing can turn around. See, grace is such a magnificent thing. God gave us something we didn't deserve. Now, what you have to do is believe that it belongs to you. But let me read on. Y'all okay? Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I know it is. He said that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. I need you to get this because this is going to be an important part of the whole study. God promises, time passes, but God's promise remains true. God promises, time passes, but God's promise remains true. He fulfills all of his promises. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said. And in the end, they will come out and worship me here in this place. I need you to know how profound this is. Between Abraham receiving this message... And Moses being sent to Pharaoh is about 300 years, a span of 300 years. I don't want you to concentrate on the 300 years. I want you to concentrate on the fact that God promised and God provided. God promised and God provided. He kept his promise. But think about this. In that 300-year period, do you think people may have forgot? Oh, yeah. People forget sometimes. They really, really do. Let's read a, uh, a, just a little bit further. It said, the Lord had said to Abram, and this is Genesis chapter 12. This supports what we just got done reading. It says, the Lord had said to Abram. Now, this is before he even became Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I love this. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the families. 
will be blessed through Abraham. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed for the land of what? Canaan. Canaan is what? The promised land. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morai. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram, who later became Abraham, believed God. He believed him so much that he left his family. He left Mesopotamia. He left everything that would have him connected. And he journeyed to a different land. God promised him that he would, that his descendants would live in that land. So when God sent Moses to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Moses tells Pharaoh, you have to let my people go. We are going to Canaan. That same promise, 300 years later, this is what Moses is fulfilling. So I have a question again for you. God promised in Genesis, whenever Satan tricked Adam and Eve and we were separated from God, he said he was going to send his son and his son would step on the snake's head. For what purpose? The son would die for us so we would be reconnected to God, which would be similar to going to Canaan. We were without a God. Without the spirit of God in Egypt, we had to travel in the wilderness on our way to Canaan. And in that wilderness, certain things happened, which we'll talk about later. But the goal was to get to Canaan, which is in a wonderful, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Does this make sense to anybody? Again, from Egypt, we are slaves to sin. We can't do anything about it. We are slaves. We have nothing to protect us from sin. So sin operates in our life. How do we know this? Everybody that was born in the line of Adam was born a sinner. Everyone. And the only thing that changed that is God sent Jesus to interrupt that. And Jesus' blood paid the price for us. Therefore, we became from sinners. We became saints. So we entered into this intimate relationship with God again, which is called our Canaan. I pray, God, that makes sense to you. Let's go to another verse that will help us out in really getting this foundational part in. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 45. And this is important. I am Joseph. He said to his brothers. Now, hopefully you remember, Joseph. Is my father still alive? Brothers, but his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Listen closely. 
It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Wait a minute. So when the act of the brothers began, when they threw him in the well, then took him out of the well, sold him to the slavers, they thought they were doing something to get rid of Joseph. They had no idea that this was God's plan to bring Joseph to Egypt. Now, Joseph went through a whole bunch of suffering and problems in jail and all kinds of things. But God had sent him to Egypt to be in the place to help his brothers whenever they came to Egypt. Jesus was sent for us. Jesus left heaven. He gave up the Godhead to do what? To come here in the midst of this insanity to be beaten, to have the skin tore off his back, to have his blood spilt. For what reason? For you and I. I hope you understand how this thing is connected. Let's go on just a little bit further. This is what Joseph continues to say. He says, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Jesus said, I go to heaven to preserve a house for you. There are many houses, many mansions up in heaven. But I go there to preserve a place for you. But don't worry because I'm coming back for you. Can, can you see the connectedness of this thing? Can you see it? I pray God that you do. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of this entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. So Joseph takes over as the governor of Egypt. Egypt at this particular time was not an oppressed place. During the time of Joseph, this is the place that people came to. They came to it for safety. They came to it for food because the country, the world, was in famine. Even Canaan, where Joseph's family was living, they had to come from Canaan to Egypt to get food. But God is in control of every piece of this. And this is what I need you to understand. There's never been a time that your life has been absent of God. Not one. He knows the beginning, the middle, and the end of your story. Somewhere, sometimes along in the story, he's going to prune you. He's going to cut some things back. It's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes in the story, you're just going to have to do what the Bible says. It says that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Do you believe God's promise that he, Jesus, is coming back? Do you believe that we are the children of God? This is what the Bible tells us. Do you believe that? If that's the case, then you have something solid to stand on while you're journeying through life. Because you're going to see and experience some things that don't look like that's the truth. 
But I need you to know that the truth will always be the truth. Satan has never been able to take the truth and make it a falsehood. He could never do that. All he could do is make you look at the truth cross-sided. That's all Satan's power has ever been. The truth will always be the truth. Joseph is in Egypt to take care of his family. He has been risen to that position to be there for his family. Let me read on. It says in Acts chapter 7, this is important because we've established the fact that Joseph is now the governor of Egypt, right? Acts chapter 7, this is my favorite part. It says, as time drew near, this Stephen's still talking now. It says, as time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham. I'm going to read it one more time. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. So there's been this 300 year span. And this new king doesn't know anything about Joseph or what Joseph did to save the people. So Egypt forgot. Can I ask you a question? Have you forgotten what God has done for you? Have you forgotten that God didn't do it because you were special? Have you forgot that God is still doing the same thing to other people? For other people. You know, when people seen Saul at one time in his life before he became Paul, they made a determination about who he would be forever. That's an evil man, a no good man. We can't talk to that man. He'll hurt us. All of those things they believed about Saul, but they had no idea that God was fulfilling something in him that would change his name. So Saul met God on the Damascus road and he changed. Our problem right now is we keep making temporary decisions on a permanent promise from God. Every knee will bow. Let me tell you it again. Every knee will bow. Our job is not to determine which knees are going to bow. That's not our job. Our job is to try to get everybody to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We can't spend time trying to determine who is who and what is what. Because we'll make a mistake. And then we'll forget ourselves. We will forget that God reached into the dumpster and pulled us up out of the filth. He did it for us. If he did it for us, will he not do it for somebody else? Does this making sense? So we need to stop taking time trying to determine who is and who isn't. That's not our job. Let me read on. It said, this king, this new king, exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. The edict was, as king seen all these uh, Israelite babies being born, he said they're having babies too fast. He sent midwives out to try to be there when they were having babies so they could kill the boy babies but let the girl babies live. The midwives came back to him and said, hey, they have babies too fast. We can't even stop them. So he gives out this edict that all boy babies are to die because he's afraid that there are more Israelites in Egypt 
than there are Egyptians. And if an army came, all the Israelites would join the enemy army and they would overtake Egypt. So let's read on. At that time, Moses was born. What an incredible time to be born. A beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her son. So let me make sure we get this. This king forgot about Joseph being the governor of Egypt and how Joseph had to come up through all of these situations to be in that position. Now the king puts out an edict that all these boys are supposed to die, but God preserves Moses that Moses would then do what? He will now enter right into the same palace that Joseph's footprints would still be there. The place where Joseph walked, Moses is now going to walk. Is God bad? What does that mean to you and I? That he'll take care of you. He took care of your parents. He took care of all of us. I don't care what is going on. He will bring you through the mess. He will put your feet on the ground where you need to be. Well, I don't like the way this looks. I, this, this is confusing to me. And all that. I, it, it doesn't matter. God has a plan for you. And this is what I need you to understand. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for the body of Christ. It's a beautiful plan. Sometimes it's going to be tough, but it's a beautiful plan. Does this make sense? We're almost done. Almost done. It says Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, meaning the Israelites, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him. Killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed mm, 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 his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. This is what happens when we go ahead of God. When we make decisions about people, circumstances and situations before God is able to speak on them. Please hear me tonight, brothers and sisters. Stop trying to determine where people are going to go. Stop trying to determine all of that stuff because that's not your place. Because somebody who's a knucklehead that is bad today is going to be walking with you when Jesus returns. And you won't have anything to do with that. I'll tell you a quick joke and, and I'm going to move on. A guy dies and he goes to heaven and St. Peter is taking him on a tour. And, and they're walking around and he sees a group of people talking and he goes wow i recognize one of those things what in the world is he doing up here peter said hey that's really none of your business they walk a little further he sees a lady he goes come on y'all y'all let this woman into heaven they walk a little further he sees another person he said okay i'm done i'm just done that guy has no business being up here so they come around the bend and there's another group of people talking and seem to be. And he says, what are they talking about? Peter said, they're all talking and wondering how you got up here. Again, we don't make these decisions. God knows what he's doing. He took Joseph 
from the well and put him in the palace. He's now going to take Moses from the creek and put him in the palace so he would learn how Egyptians think. But Moses' problem was Moses went ahead of God and he thought that if he would kill this Egyptian, the people would understand. He went ahead of his mission. He ended up being a murderer instead of a missionary. And we'll read on about this. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? He asked, are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that heard that he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. I need you to understand. He fled. Midian is in through the desert. He fled the same direction. He's going to take all of the Israelites when he leaves. Moses didn't know that that was going to happen, but God did. Oh, I sure hope you all are understanding me. He's out in this desert and he's learning how to navigate in the desert and has absolutely no idea that God's plan is to send him back through that desert a little later on. Do you understand that God has a plan? Listen to me. The body of Christ does not lose, but we can't go ahead of God and make determinations about people who they are and where they're going to end up at because that is wrong. If somebody would have did that, they would have did that for us and we would be gone. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to take your mind off of that and quit making decisions. But listen, you're either going to listen to God or you're going to mess up like Moses did. Forty years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans. I have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man. His people had previously rejected when they demanded who made you a ruler and judge over us. Don't be surprised (laughs) about who God uses and at what time God uses people. Don't get caught up. I've heard so many people making, uh, trying to make eternal decisions about other human beings. And it's a mistake. You can't do that. Because when you do that to someone else, you open yourself up for somebody to make that same decision about you. Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 
40 years. One more verse and we'll close. Hopefully this is making sense to you. I'm just trying to lay a foundation. Uh, next week we'll begin to talk about the Egyptian mentality, how that works and what it looks like. But here we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're just going to read a couple of verses and then we're done. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt again from Jacob to Moses was 300 years. So here is Jacob definitely saying something that only God could have showed him is that the people will definitely leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when he left. Is that faith? Is that faith? Yes, it is faith. He even, excuse me, it was by faith. No, you can go to the next one. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. God is God over every king. He is God over everybody. So they chose to listen to God rather than listen to man. And how did they, they could, all they could do was have faith that when they put Moses in this little tar covered moat and sent it into the water, they had no idea that Pharaoh's sister would be the one who would take him and then Moses' sister would refer the mother to be the nursemaid. You, this is magnificent, but this is what God does. He's doing the same thing for us. He has coordinated so many incredible things. I need you to know, if you're in Tomoka, if you're part of Tomoka, or soon to be part of Tomoka, I need you to know God has orchestrated your footsteps to bring you to this magnificent experience. It's important for you to get it. He's covered you and protected you. And guess what? He's doing it for others because God loves his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he's doing it for others right now. Let me finish. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He's rejecting the world. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Brothers and sisters, what I wanted to do tonight was just lay the foundation of what this series is going to be. I wanted to make sure that you knew how important Egypt as a geographical location was, but also as a spiritual entity. I need you to understand that because as we go on, we will figure out how Egypt is, how the wilderness is, and how the land of Canaan is, and then how that relates to us and how important it is to walk by faith. So in closing tonight, do me a favor. Stop. Stop judging people. It's kind of hard to judge somebody with a big old tree in your eye and you're going to try to take the speck out of their eye. It's a pretty hard job to do. 
So stop trying to judge people. Stop trying to read the tea leaves. Moses couldn't. Jacob couldn't. Abraham couldn't. Nobody could. They just had to live until this thing was fulfilled. Who does the fulfilling? God. And he's going to fulfill for all of us his completeness of making sure that the body of Christ wins. I thank you so much for joining us tonight. I pray, God, that this introduction has been helpful to you. We'll look forward to sharing time with you next week. Do me a favor. Stay safe. If you're in the line of where the storm is coming, stay safe. But for all you other people from Singapore to Brazil to Chicago to all of California to all these other places who are watching, we thank you so much and we're humbled to be able to serve you. God bless you. Have a great day.